Good morning, you guys. How are you? Good? We have this indescribably huge God. Do you get how big God is? I mean, first just picture like the universe, right? You get that the universe is, is pretty, pretty huge. Uh, light speed, the distance that light, tra- the, the speed that light travels, 186,000 miles per second. That's fast. Light goes 186,000 miles per second. In fact, the time that it takes you to snap your fingers, light can circle the globe seven times. That's fast. And uh, when you go outside and the sun hits you or crushes you, as it feels here, (laughs) that light that is hitting your face is light that left the sun eight minutes ago. We are 93 million miles from the sun. You guys, I can't even imagine, like, getting from California to Florida. I mean, that seems like a long distance. 93 million miles away from us. That's a long distance away. In fact, if we were to take our fastest jet, if this were even possible, and fly from here to the sun, it would take us 17 years flying 24-7 to make it there. Of course, we'd never even make it, though, because we'd burn up before we got there. The surface of the sun is about 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. And now with the Hubble telescope, they're looking out into this in space, and they can see what scientists, astronomers are saying is the, the furthest galaxy out. And they're saying this galaxy is 13 billion light years away. 13 billion light years away. Now, a light year is the distance that light travels in a year. And it turns out that light can go 5.88 trillion miles in a year. And this one is 13 billion light years away. So you multiply 5.88 trillion times 13 billion and whatever that number is, that's how many miles away this galaxy is. That's so far away. We don't have to talk about that galaxy that is so far out there. We just talk about our own right here, the Milky Way galaxy, our own neighborhood. 100,000 to 130,000 light years across. There are literally hundreds of billions of stars in our galaxy alone. One of those stars is the sun. And that's 93 million miles away from our little planet, Earth, which happens to have just a diameter of 8,000 miles across. And on that planet, Earth... There are about 6 billion people. And on that planet Earth, there one of the countries on one of the continents is the United States of America. And one of the states in the United States of America is Arizona. And one of the cities in Arizona on the United States of America on planet Earth, Milky Way galaxy in really huge universe is Chandler, Arizona. And inside Chandler, Arizona, there's this really cool church called Cornerstone. And on the property, kind of off to the side, on Cornerstone campus is the auditorium. It's not too big right now. We're working on that for you. But we're we're cramming about 550 people in here. And in all these different rows and, and, and all these different seats, one of those 6 billion people, planet Earth, huge universe, one of those people is you. How small do you feel now? (laughs) You guys, then when I consider like the vastness and how huge this is, 
And then I hear in the Old Testament that God spoke the word and all of this came into being. How big is this God? And that indeed, that, that God knows, the Bible says God knows every single one of the stars by name. I don't know what their names are. I don't know if he's going, hey, that's Bob right there. And then uh, Tom, he's a pretty cool star. I like the little blue sort of flame coming out from Bob. And wow, Jennifer, she's pretty sweet. I don't know what that's like, but he knows every single one of the stars by name. And then it also, the Bible also says that he knows you by name. Huge universe, even bigger God, and us tiny little specks that have really no reason to be on his radar. And God knows you by name. He knows every thought that's going through your head right now. And then catch this. He not just knows about you. He not just only knows how many hairs are on your head, or aren't, in my case. He knows everything, and He wants a relationship with you. Open up your Bible to Romans chapter 15, if you've got it with you. If not, it'll be on your screen. Romans chapter 15. New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts, and then Romans. About three quarters of the way through your Bible. Romans 15, go to verse 7. Huge universe, huger God, is that a word? And then us tiny little beings... He knows you, He loves you, and then, get this, He also accepts you. Romans fifteen seven. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. This is the verse that we're kind of rallying around this morning. This is one's easy to memorize. Accept one another... Just as Christ accepted you, Christ being God, so that we can bring praise to God. This amazingly huge God and us amazingly small human beings, this huge God accepts us. He receives us, as it says in the King James Version. And as He has accepted us and received us, now He's calling us to do the same with people around us. And so we find ourselves at this topic here in the iLink series, Acceptance. We've been looking at this, this series of friendship and what would it look like if we really did friendships the way that God intended? How would that change our friendships, our, our relationships? And the big thought that we've been coming back to each time is doing really what Jesus has done with us. Do unto others as Jesus did to us. Forgive other people as Jesus has forgiven us submit to or honor the other people in our lives as Jesus himself submitted himself to the Father's will. That you would put others first in your life in the same way that Jesus has done that and continues to do that. This is no different. We're rallying around this concept of acceptance and accepting other people just as Jesus accepted us. And some people are super easy to accept. You got friends, maybe you got some family members. It just, they're the easiest people in the world to go, I can accept them. I can be in that relationship with them. 
I'm going to accept them no, no matter what. There's easy people to do that with. Um, Twelve days ago, um, I got to uh, meet somebody <laughs> who's the absolute easiest person alive to accept. <laughs> I mean, look at this next pose. Um, we, we did not prop him up that way. He's just already into the Zoolander thing and just going for it. So it's cool. <laughs> next one there is uh, just, uh, he was sucking on my thumb, which or Anna's thumb or something. I don't know. What, whose hand is that? That's weird. He's got more hair than I do. That's a bummer. But, uh, and then this one here just killed me. To, uh, to have, I know a lot of you, I mean, you, you know right what's going through my heart and head, but to finally have my son on my chest and just, it's just the coolest thing ever. And I thought, man, there's nothing I wouldn't do for him. And, and I'm thinking there's nothing that he can do that would ever take me out of accepting him of receiving Him, of loving Him. But what do you do? How do you accept people that are annoying? (laughs) How do you accept people? How do you dial this component of your friendships in place Maybe when they don't deserve it, or they're weird, or they're somebody that society holds up as being unacceptable? How do we do that? The, the cool thing about this verse, check this Romans fifteen seven out again. This is so cool because in one verse, you, you get the what, the how, and the why that God's calling us to. First thing, what is God calling us to? First right here, accept one another. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We go, okay, I get that. How? Well, just as Christ accepted you. That's the how. Okay, well, why? In order to bring praise to God. Ultimately, this acceptance thing, we're going to do this deal to bring praise to God, to point people toward God, to show people God. Ultimately, that's what you were created for. You were created to glorify Him, to praise Him, to live for Him, and for Him to really be shown in you. And so as, as you practice and we wrap ourselves around this concept of acceptance, you're going to be bringing praise to God. You're going to be showing people what Jesus was like. And again, I think we'll go, okay, okay, I get that. That's cool. This is good. We even kind of intellectually get, okay, I get why accepting other people would be a healthy, positive thing. This camp I was speaking at, I met this kid and he just kind of latched on to us and the kid, he, he was a little bit weird, and he was kind of socially awkward. And he latched on to, to me and the band, and um, just cool kid, but just just different. And by a lot of standards, I think he, he would have a hard time finding friends or people that would, would treat him right. And it was an odd, crazy thing. Because I think all of our first reaction was, wow, this is going to be a little tough to talk to you, hang out with you. This is just going to be a little bit weird. It's not that you're bad. It's just going to be more difficult. But all of us just kind of rallied around him. 
I started to talk to him just more like normal. We traded emails and did that sort of thing. And I met his parents and we've been text messaging back and forth. And we went to dinner a couple weeks ago with him. And um, you guys, it's amazing to watch as he's just totally blossomed. Just in a matter of weeks. When he got wrapped around, just somebody that could come and say, there's a safe place. You can be who you need to be. We're not going to go change that. We're just going to give you a safe place to exist and grow and know that, that you're accepted. And to watch his heart and, and personality just start to shift, it's, it's just been such an amazing thing. And we kind of all intellectually go, oh, I've seen that happen or I've done that or I've had that done to me or whatever. It, it's such a powerful thing. But it's the how that I think makes stuff kind of difficult. How do I really do this? How do I accept people? Because I don't know what you think of really when you think of acceptance. When you think of your family, I don't know what thoughts go through your head when you think of, well, I'm going to be accepting of them. You've got friends. I don't know what thoughts go through your head. Well, I got to be accepting of them. You've got co-workers maybe and I don't know what thoughts go through your head when I say you've got to be accepting toward them. When I say homosexuals, I don't know what you think of when I say acceptance. But the biblical concept that we're going to pull from here is we're going to accept one another as Jesus accepted us. Okay, we're going to get our cues from Jesus himself. And so how did Jesus accept people then is the big question. If we can figure out what he was like and how he accepted people, we'll, we'll have a biblical working definition of acceptance. And Jesus did it like no other. Because I've heard it put this way, that uh, it's such a cool phrase. I tried to find out, I've heard so many people say it, and I, I don't know where it originated. But the phrase is, Jesus accepts you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. That's so cool. Jesus accepts you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Dr. Henry Cloud tells this story. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, there were these aliens And these aliens on their planet had the ultimate civilization. I mean, they were so sophisticated. They had everything technological that you could possibly imagine and more. They had every amusement and entertainment that you could think of. And yet they were completely, totally bored. They got together and they went, you know, we've got to do something to liven up our planet. We've got to create a new amusement park or something we got to liven up our planet here. And one of them, Beezy, goes, um, I don't smoke. That's their language. And uh, that just translated to, I have an idea. He said, why don't we go create ourselves a god? And all the other aliens were like, whoa, that's a good idea. That'll give us something to do on Sundays. It'll give some people to talk about. Let's go for it. They created a little research and development team to go create a God. And they went over and they worked at it and worked at it and worked at it. And they came back and they said, you know what, this just isn't working. We're having a lot of trouble here. Because really, like, how cool is any God going to be that we have created? 
He goes, so I'm thinking we need to take a different tact here. Because we'll know that this God isn't real or powerful if we made him. He goes, so what do you say we go find ourselves a God? Maybe like the ones that the earthlings worship. And all the other aliens were like, dude, that's a good idea. Let's go. We'll send you. And so Beasley takes a business trip to planet Earth. He spends a whole year on planet Earth. And he visited tons of churches. And he studied and he studied and he studied. And he took ridiculous amounts of notes. And he comes back and he goes before his people. And Beasley goes, I got great news, you guys. This is amazing. I have not, after all my time on planet Earth, I have not just found one God. I've found two. He goes, let me tell you about them. The name of the first god, or goddess probably, is Grace. And Grace is definitely a woman. And Grace is always talking about how to be nice to people and being loving to people and treat each other well. And she always says, but if you don't, then I'm going to love you and forgive you anyway. And Grace's followers, they do some pretty cool things. They feed the poor. They offer compassion to the people that need it. They love people that are around them. But he said the weird thing was the followers of Grace always seem to be kind of lost. They never seem to know where to go or where to head. And he said it's weird too because they keep doing the same things over and over and over and over again that are bad. They just can't stop doing it. All the aliens went, yeah, that's, that's probably not what we're looking for. Some of that sounds good, but not all of it. Beasy goes, well, it's good. I got, I got another one for you. And this God's name is Truth. And Truth is definitely a man. And Truth is as mean as grace is nice. He said, I went in and Truth is always telling people all this bad stuff that they're doing and making them feel bad for all this stuff that they're doing wrong. He said, but truth from time to time does some things. He champions some things that are pretty horrible. He fights against things that are horrible. Adultery and abortion and lying and cheating. He said, but truth is kind of like this big street sweeper. He doesn't just sweep away all the bad stuff. He sweeps away the people that do the bad stuff as well. And the aliens were like, yeah, totally. That's not what we want either. Maybe we should just do the amusement park thing and just call it quits. This didn't really work at all. And BZ goes, you know what? Wait a minute. We've got a lot of technology here. We've got that one technology that blends substances that don't normally go together, like oil and water. Remember when we did that? And they were like, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's cool, yeah. And he's like, why don't we use that? What if we mix grace and truth? What a concept. Look at John chapter 1. Move to the left in your Bible, just a few books. John chapter 1, verse 14, foundational verse of Scripture right here. John 1, 14. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It says, The Word became flesh. And dwelt amongst us. This is Jesus here. It says, We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace 
and truth. Jesus, if we're going to look at how Jesus accepted us to give us the roadmap of how we're to accept others, this is it right here. Jesus himself embodied biblical acceptance. And here's the thought I want us just to rally around this morning, is that biblical Christ-like acceptance is carefully balancing grace and truth. Christ-like acceptance of people is balancing grace and truth. It's not just being all grace. It's not just being all truth. Jesus himself wasn't even just 50% grace and 50% truth. Jesus was 100% grace and 100% truth, evenly mixed. And so we must be, when we embrace this concept of, of acceptance in our relationships... Because if we don't get this right, then we're always going to be kind of leaning one way or the other. And naturally, some of us, most of us in this room are going to lean one way or the other. And I don't know if that's wired in or if that's the way you've been raised or whatever. But when I ask those areas we talked about earlier, some of you instantly are more thinking along the lines of grace, mercy, forgiveness. Ah, it's okay. It's, it's, it's going to work out. Some of you are thinking, you know what? I can't just accept this. I can't stand for that. And both have a place. Because there are always moments where we need to accept. But then that crosses a line sometimes where you go, where I can't accept that. I can't endorse you. I can accept you, but I can't endorse what you're doing. I can't get behind what you're doing. Jesus accepts you just as the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. And so we have to carefully balance this grace and truth. Here's two questions that... I think really merit some sort of thinking through, some pondering, maybe some discussion in your family or friends or small group. Two questions that I came across when I was studying for this, and they're kind of kind of crazy. First question. Why did sinners want to hang out with Jesus, but they don't want to hang out with us? This is not all the time, but this is just as a general rule. Why did sinners want to hang out with Jesus, but they don't want to hang out with us? I think it's a grace issue. I think it's an acceptance issue. I think a lot of times we don't offer enough acceptance and enough grace. We're lacking somehow in the grace side that Jesus fully embodied, where whenever Jesus was walking on scene... They knew where they stood with him. And they stood in this deal where it was always this, I love you, I care for you, I forgive you, I want to be in a relationship with you, but what you're doing, we got to work on. But first, you just got to know, I'm going to hug you in, I'm going to pull you in, you're, you're safe with me. He would walk in the presence of the leper in Mark chapter 1. This guy that, that was suffering from this horrible skin disease... It would start with splotches on your hands and on your eyelids. It would soon grow into these pussy sores and scale over your whole body. It would kill the nerve endings so that you're walking along the road. You'd stub a toe. It would break your toe off and you wouldn't even know. Your body would literally, literally start rotting. Just rotting away. And you were considered unclean if you had this. It was highly contagious. 
you were pushed off to the edge of society and they were dig, dug these holes and they just put you down in these holes and bring food and drop it down to you. If you were ever in a public situation, you had to scream out loud, unclean, unclean, as you walked down the road and keep at least six feet distance between you and anybody else coming around. And Jesus comes into this guy's presence and Mark says that he was filled with compassion when he sees this guy. He was so filled with compassion at someone that the society had said was completely unacceptable. And he said he reached out and touched that man. He touched him. Who knows the last time that guy had been touched? It's the same Jesus that offers that acceptance and receives people to himself. That comes into the presence of the adulterous woman. This woman that's committed adultery and these guys are ready to throw rocks at her to kill her. And he steps in first with this word of acceptance. And he gets in the face of the people that are there throwing those rocks. And he said, any of you not sinned before? If any of you has not sinned, go ahead and keep throwing rocks and... One by one, everybody drops their rocks and takes off. And he goes over to the woman and he says, I love you, I care for you, but now go and sin no more. It was always that sense of grace. Why do people want to hang around Jesus here in Scripture, but they don't want to hang around us? It might be a grace issue. Second question. Why did sinners, why did people crucify Jesus but they don't have any problem with us. Why did people, why did sinners, different variety, crucify Jesus, but they don't have any problem with us? I think that's a truth issue that we're lacking. I think sometimes we don't look any different, we don't sound any different, we're not saying anything any different than anybody else, and so why should I have any problem with you? You're not speaking any truth into my life. There's no boundaries. There's no guideline. There's no direction. So you're just like everybody else. I'm just like everybody else. And I think that Jesus so carefully balanced the both that it it riled up people. And in the moment of the cross, you, you get both right there. I mean, you get Jesus down on the cross, the truth saying, you need a savior. I wouldn't be here if you didn't. This is not right what you're doing to me. This is no good. But here's the most graceful, forgiving, loving thing I could possibly do. I'm going to lay down my life for you. He balanced them both so powerfully. So, so well. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you which is carefully balancing that grace and that truth. There are those moments where you build relationship, where you wrap your arms around people. And then there are those moments where you have to speak truth. Acceptance doesn't mean endorsement. Acceptance means balancing that grace and that truth the same way that Jesus did. I worked this crazy job several years ago. Um, I was a tour guide at Universal Studios on the tram ride, if you've ever been there in Hollywood. You go by Jaws and King Kong and all that. It was, it was goofy, but it was really fun, actually. 
And during Halloween at Universal Studios, um, they kind of do what Knott's Berry Farm does. They, they decorate the whole park kind of Halloween-ish. And then they put these different themed areas in there that are kind of spooky and scary. And then the people that work there, you go and you, we dress up in scary things and scare people. And um, I, was, uh, I was big belly in the dead biker bar. Um, and uh, it was pretty cool. It was just kind of this, you know, motorcycle bar hangout. But it was like from some horror movie, it looks like. And, and so um, I was big belly. I wore this big um, prosthetic fat suit with a huge stomach and pussy sore. It was gross. I had a big axe coming out of my forehead. And, um, and then I was wearing a biker vest, which is just ridiculous because I had this huge stomach and then my ridiculous skinny arms. So it just looked <laughs> stupid. Um, but we'd get all up makeup, a couple hours of makeup, and then go sit down. And I worked with all sorts of people there. And there was a girl that was in my area. She was a waitress in the dead biker bar. And uh, um, we started in this conversation. We, we had talked several nights in a row before they'd kind of opened the park. We're sitting there, and, and you know, she, she's all bloody and weird, and I got an axe coming out of my forehead. It's kind of an odd sort of situation, sitting here having a normal conversation. Out of the blue, we had, had not any spiritual conversation to this point, and out of the blue, she goes, you know what I think the scariest thing on the planet is? And I was like, no, what's that? She goes, promise keepers. I went, what? I got an axe coming out of my head. Promise keepers is more scary than... (laughs) Yep, promise keepers. I went, really? And in that moment, I had the opportunity kind of... I mean, instantly I kind of went defensive. She didn't know I was a Christian. And um, and, and I had that moment where I was like, man, I got to... I gotta, this is not good. I gotta stand up and tell her where she's wrong and say, you know what? This is just a movement of guys really pursuing God. And if they started doing that, then they would treat you better and this world would change. This would just be incredible. I was really kind of anxious to get on that path. And part of me went, well, I could just kind of go the other way. I could just be, ah, you know, yeah, it is pretty scary. I've been to one and it's, whoa, it's freaky. Um, but somehow, it needed to be a mixture of, of the two. Now, I didn't have the wisdom to know really how to do that or whatever, but just deep in me, I knew that one side wasn't right and the other side wasn't right, that it was somehow the combination of the two, and so it is in situations that you've got. And so I listened to her for quite a while, and eventually I just kind of started to share, and I said, you know what, this, it's, kind of, it's interesting to hear you talk. Like I can see where you're coming from. I could see where that stuff would be kind of weird. And then I said, but the real thing about Jesus is, and I just kind of talked a little bit about what he was like and what kind of man he was like. And she started asking, really? What, that, that's kind of what it's about? Yeah, that's really what it's about. And we went back and forth for a long time. And over the next several days, the next several nights, we continued that conversation. By the end of it, she got to the point where she just said, you know what? I, I've never really met anybody before that was a Christian it could really explain what Jesus was was like that way. This is totally the change the way I, I think about everything. And I think it needs to be a lot more of that going on. You guys, it's so few and far between for me to do that. And I, it bums me out. But you're going to come across those situations where you need to balance that grace and balance that truth 
where you need to walk into somebody's life and bring in that acceptance, but then also say, I love you too much to leave you this way. I care for you. What you're doing is hurting you. What you're doing is hurting God. What you're doing is hurting your family. What you're doing is hurting your friends. And I love you enough to actually tell you that. But you've got to know that I'm always going to accept you. You've always got a place with me. Say this is your, your wallet. Got a couple bucks here. And say I meet you and we don't really know each other or maybe we work together or something like that. The beginning of our relationship, you've got an empty wallet. But if I just listen to you talk about your issues and you can slam stuff you need to slam or you can, you can kind of do your deal and we can talk and all that, and I just kind of listen for a while. When, when I listen, in essence, I, I kind of put a buck in your wallet. And maybe we go out to lunch or coffee or something like that and, you know, I... That building relationship, just extending that deal where I care, I dropped another buck in your wallet. I'm accepting you. I'm loving you. Maybe I drop you a note just telling you, wow, you're doing a good job, or thanks for who you are, or that's kind of cool, you know, and you're just building that. You dropped another buck in the wallet. Well, that, that's pretty awesome. But then there comes that moment where you've developed a relationship. You've been practicing at least the grace side of that acceptance. And you get to a moment where they're doing something that's hurting themselves or people around them or their God. And as their friend who has provided a safe, secure relationship, you step in and you go, you know what, i I got to tell you what you're doing is just hurting you. And in that moment, you make a withdrawal. And you say, you can't stop, you can't keep hurting your family this way anymore. And you make another withdrawal. And you say, we'll, we'll go hang out, we'll spend time together, but I can't endorse what you're doing anymore. And you've made another withdrawal. You guys, that's healthy. That's grace and truth. That's building relationship. But I think we get ourselves into trouble when we tr- try to go speak truth, when we try to make withdrawals when we've never put any money in the bank, when we've never put a dollar in the wallet, we've never done the grace side, and so we go up and we just do the the truth thing, and they're going, that's not working. Or you never ever make any withdrawals. You've just built up all this stuff in their life, and they're walking around with a fat wallet, but they're still doing the same things over and over again that are destroying them and their families. It's got to be that balance. It's got to be that biblical acceptance that follows the model of Jesus that says, balance grace and truth. It's not one or the other. came across this in a book by Randy Alcorn. I thought this was so cool. I invited an outspoken lesbian activist who was also a prominent abortion activist to lunch. For the first hour, she hammered me, telling me of all the Christians who'd mistreated her. She seemed hard as nails, 
I listened, trying to show her God's grace, praying she'd see the Jesus she desperately needed. She raised her voice and cursed freely. People stared. But that was okay. Jesus went to the cross for her. The least I could do was listen. Suddenly she was crying, sobbing, broken. I reached across the table and took her hand. For the next two hours, I heard her story, her heart sickness, her doubts about the causes she championed. I told her about Christ's grace. After four hours, we walked out of that restaurant side by side. We hugged. In our conversation, truth wasn't shared at the expense of grace or grace at the expense of truth. And so it should be in the conversations that you have with people that are dear to you or people that you're just starting to build relationship with. That you would never sacrifice truth in acceptance. That you would never sacrifice grace in your relationships. But that you would accept one another just as Christ accepted you to bring praise to God by balancing grace and truth together. Do that and we will watch this city turned upside down. And you will watch your relationships deepen to places that you have never seen them deepen before. I promise you. Let's pray. Father, um, I just can't thank you enough that you with the infinite size of this universe and all the different things that are going on out there that you would receive us and accept us. But Father, thank you for the model of how Jesus practiced acceptance. That you did it, Lord, balancing grace and truth. Give us wisdom to know when to speak up and when to offer that mercy. Make your word come alive as we just study how you interacted in all these situations, Lord. Just give us sensitive hearts and eyes to accept the people around us the way that you would have, Lord. That it might bring praise to you, Father. Thank you for the relationships in this room, Lord. We love you so much. In Jesus' name. His love was so marvelous and wonderful that he not only brought you into relationship with him, but he also pointed you in the right direction. That's true love. That's true acceptance. This isn't just a good model, balancing grace and truth for accepting the people in the lives in our lives, but it's also just an amazing model for Christ-likeness. I think if you wanted to really simplify it, boil it all down, I think the more that we balance carefully grace and truth in our lives and the lives of people around us, that's really living out who Jesus was. You guys, I love you a lot. If you need anything, just come on up. Otherwise, have a great, great week. We'll see you next week.